Does SEO work? Yes, it does. Would I claim to be a master of it? Not by any means. I'd be a millionaire if I had a dollar for every email I get in my inbox from someone who wants to help my SEO grow or who wants to help our email strategy. They're relentless. I think that content is king. You have to have a way to get content out there. There's the, the cliched line, but it's true. Content is king. Hello, everybody. I'm Kelly Martin, and you're listening to Making It Work, brought to you by FedEx. This is the podcast where we skip the unicorns and give the workhorses a chance on the mic. Yes, these small business owners are going through the highs and the lows right now, and they want you to know what being an entrepreneur is really like. In this episode, we go back to basics as we search for ways for you to up your Google game and drive traffic to your store. So how do you create content that really converts? And is setting up a blog all a waste of time? Asking the questions is Tom Scallon. Search engine optimization, or SEO, is the holy grail of online marketing. For those unfamiliar, it's optimizing your website content to improve your search engine ranking. In practice, for most, this means writing articles to get you higher on Google searches. But the days of keyword-stuffed blogs are long gone. Search engines have become pretty savvy in determining what constitutes high-quality content. And for small businesses with a clear message and well-defined mission, This makes it easier to compete against the big corporates and their content farms. A couple of guys who know a thing or two about creating great content are Graham Veazey and Fisk Bigger. Their Cleveland, Ohio-based business, Graham and Fisk's Wine in a Can, sits in a crowded market, but they feel their brand authenticity, as well as some Google wizardry, makes them stand out from the crowd. I started by asking Graham whether creating a company blog gets you higher on Google. He may be a Yahoo, but I'm sure... He can bring you some answers. So the answer is yes. You'll never know and you'll never get that successful post or gain the traction if you're not rabid about content creation. So you have to tell your story and continue to tell your story and never stop telling that story. Because for us, brand authenticity is real. It resonates. And in a space that's filled by influencers and celebrities who are spending tons and tons of money against you, being able to continue to persevere against that is it comes back to that brand story and that brand authenticity. So does SEO work? Yes, it does. Would I claim to be a master of it? Not by any means, but I think it's continuing to find good partnerships and continuing to tell your story with like brands. And that's what we've seen resonate. And I think that's been the story of Graham and Fist Wine and Can is that brand authenticity. Where did you start in terms of content creation? I think the brand and by the fact that, you know, every can of ours has our dogs on the label who come into work with us, the firehouse where we're headquartered, you know, the fact that we started telling the story of the brand. It was about this friendship that started at summer camp on the shores of the Great Lakes in the U.S. And we realized that people really lit up when you told them that backstory. And so we've just leaned into that since the origination of the brand. So I'd say day one is something that we knew that in order for us to grow this brand, we had to tell the backstory. We had to get that authenticity. And then later on, we've also had some really good talent on our team who really understands the in the digital side, who understands the digital landscape to position it properly. So that's not me, but we've got some great team talent that's been able to understand the landscape, to learn. It has evolved over the course of the last six years in ways that I don't understand and it will continue to do so. Um, So 
we've been fortunate to have the talent internally to make those evolutions and make sure that we're positioned properly and doing the right things just fundamentally in the space. Your brand narrative seems crystal clear to me. In terms of more practical stuff, I've been on your website. There's an article, for instance, that says how to get wine stains out. So my guess would be the idea of that is to drive organic traffic, right? So does that type of thing work? Yeah, there, there's the, the cliched line, but it's true. Content is king. And so to be able to figure out where the through line is involving wine goes everywhere from, yeah, when you start your day on a sunny Sunday and you're mixing it with a mimosa, it's like, well, what's the best type of orange juice to do it? To, you know, when you think about you know, the nightcap, what's you know, going to be the best you know, type of blend that we've got in our cans to you know, round out the night. So it's a full-time type of challenge and there's an opportunity there. Fisk is really sharp when it comes to you're thinking of different ways to look at you know, the calendar and you'd know, be it him dressed up as the Easter bunny <laughs> or the Christmas story character, the pink bunny. Multiple not, bunnies. Multiple bunnies. We should have written that blog post before I spilled the red wine on your mother-in-law's carpet. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> <a good place>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always associate pushing like loads and loads of time and effort into marketing and brand narrative and content creation. I always associate that with huge brands that have a really average product. At what point does a small business like yours stop being a wine in the can producer and start becoming like a digital marketing agency? I would say never because you've got to have that solid truth as the foundation. And if you don't have that basic truth really locked in, you could be the best digital marketer, but it doesn't matter if you don't have a great truth. And I think it's a little bit like throwing spaghetti at the wall for a company like ours. And we are not a corporate behemoth that looks at focus groups to figure out what is the right word choice. But what we are is folks that are willing to take some risks in our storytelling. And one example is, you know, we Last March, did a couple hours of a shoot where you know we got a lion mask and we got a lamb mask, and you know we were arm wrestling and sprinting, and you know, the whole notion was March, you're either coming in like a lion or coming out like a lamb, and it didn't really work. Like, but we tried it, and it didn't really cost us much. But look, it could have worked, but we never would have known had we not tried. And there are things that we do that we think won't work that end up working really well. So if you don't try it, you're never going to know. So you're saying keep that core message and in terms of creating content, throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. You might be surprised. Yeah, completely. And, and make sure that message is valid too. I mean, we can sit here and tell you it's the best canned wine and I can go and make all those changes and give you a mediocre wine in a can, but you'll know it. You won't come back. Maybe I'll get your get you come back once. And that was one of the first lessons we learned in this business was I think we got placed in a Whole Foods. And for entrepreneurs to get placed in a Whole Foods, there's this feeling like, oh my goodness, we're going to make it. Well, it doesn't matter if the Whole Foods doesn't ever order again. What would be your message to someone who feels like they have a really good product, really great brand, but is just struggling with the content side of things? I would say they don't have a really good product or a really good brand if they don't have a story. And so 
if they think they don't have a story, then they've got to sit in a room and say, well, why did I do this? Why did I create this product? Why do I think that there's a value for somebody to buy it? And if they can't answer those basic questions, then maybe they don't have a good product and they don't have a good brand because every good brand and good product has a story and they just need to peel some of the layers of the onion to figure out the story that resonates with them. Because if they don't love it, embrace it, and if they can't talk about it, then you're not going to be able to build a sales force that helps you do it. Graham and Fisk certainly don't pull any punches when it comes to how they feel small businesses should have a story. But they don't pretend to have all the answers either. According to them, you should just try a bunch of stuff and see what works, even if that's wrestling in a lion mask. Might need a couple of wines in a can before attempting that one. For those not so keen on the DIY approach, hiring an agency to create content for you is the obvious solution. But it can be prohibitively expensive, and there's no guarantee it will drive sales. Our next entrepreneur, though, has found a compromise. Krista Cotton is CEO of El Guapo Bitters, a New Orleans non-alcoholic bitters manufacturer. El Guapo has a blog chock full of interesting cocktail recipes that has more than doubled its traffic in just one year. And its success is down to freelance writers who are genuinely passionate about the brand. So I think when we first started, I really wasn't focused on what was public facing. I think we were always pretty good at social media. You can go look at El Guapo Bitters on Instagram and you can see a highly curated, very colorful, aesthetically pleasing, beautiful feed. But that is really just my personality. And it's always been beautiful, but we recycled a lot of content. We didn't put a lot of money into creating new things. Once the business shifted to majority being direct to consumer, and I realized that we needed to put more emphasis on new content and new recipes putting on our blog, we made a lot of improvements to the blog. We started linking recipes to products so you could buy them, which is such a no-brainer. But when you're just building your business, you don't think about the obvious things. And our blog traffic was tenfold in 2020, what it was in 2019. And it was... I think two and a half times in 2021, what it was in 2020. So putting new content out there and making sure it's easy to follow for people that are making recipes at home, but beautiful. And it's a very good representation of your brand. And what I mean by that is the the branding, like what you see on the bottles and what you see on the social media matches the blog and matches the website. It sort of all goes together all of that really, really matters. And I spend more money now on content creation and blogging than I ever thought I would when I first started this business in 2017, but it's so, so important. So we've had multiple content creators reach out to us over the years. We've always said, you know, thank you so much. We're flattered, but no way that's not in the budget. I did build a relationship with a great content creator in Brooklyn. She goes by the Sauceress on Instagram. Her name is Jess. And she said, she actually talked me into it. And she said, I will do this for free because I want you to see the difference. And if you'll send me the project products, let me just make one and let's see what you think. And I think I still said no. So she bought it anyway from our website and she did it and she sent it to me. And it's still one of our most popular cocktails and one of the images I use all the time. Did you just think she wanted free bitters? No, I really thought this is so expensive and there's no way we can afford this. And we're just trying to save our business. And also I should say, I had a one-year-old at the time. So school was canceled. She's clinging to me. I'm trying to figure this out. And it just, 
it was a really difficult time and I just couldn't, I was trying to slash expenses, not add to them. So she bought the product. She made the recipe. It's great. It's called all sauced up. It was the first one that she made. It's gorgeous. It has cranberries. And I think she used chicory pecan bitters. We still use that recipe all the time. The photo is fabulous. So she makes it, she sends it to me. And, and even my significant other at that, at, at the still now he's, he's my significant other, but also he's our COO. So he, um, he was like, that's really good. You should, you should talk to her. So I reach back out and say, okay, you might have a point. So explain to me like how you see this working. Like, what is this? I don't pay for content creation. I don't pay for any of this. What do you want to do? So we started talking about it and essentially we just, she shoots, we give her all the product for free. She chooses what she wants to shoot. And sometimes we do give her inspiration. So we give her all the, all the things that need to be included. And she goes out and she does it, but she's very creative. She knows our aesthetic and she's a great friend. And we've since branched out. There's another person whose aesthetic I admire. And that's really how I pick. If I like your aesthetic and it matches our brand, then that's who I choose to work with. Um, because then you're not having to coach someone to make it look like you. You're starting with someone who already has a similar visual aesthetic as what you're trying to create. So this other woman, her name is Rhonda. She lives in Australia. She goes by the Margarita Mom. A lot of people know her. She has, I think, 110,000 followers on Instagram. She's awesome. We contacted her and she said, you know, I love that you're a woman-owned brand. There's not very many out there. If you would send us some product, we'd be willing to work out an arrangement with you. It sounds like at the moment, the extent of your content creation is recipes and really beautiful on-brand photos, which is working great. Have you thought about branching out from that? Yes. So we started with still photography because it was the most economical and easy for us to understand. And then when we were reaching out to content creators, that was their specialty, beautiful photography. So that worked well for us. But now that our blog has a much larger audience than it did when it started, our next iteration, which we'll be launching soon, is going to include video content. But yes, we'll start, we're planning on starting a YouTube channel. We'll have a whole video cocktail series that's coming out and that will then link back to the blog and link back to the website. We'll use it on social media as reels on Instagram and TikTok videos as well. But the bigger we get, the more we start expanding into these other things. And video is a big part of that. Tori Birch's team is a big proponent of, they call them snackable videos. But we were hesitant to invest the money because it is very, very expensive. But I do have two good friends. They're like brothers to me. They're some of my oldest friends in New Orleans from when I first moved here in 2010. And we filmed together when I worked for the state tourism office. They filmed all of the commercials that I was the account executive for. So we traveled all over the state. We filmed all of these amazing commercials that aired, you know, in markets all across the U.S. And now they're my film crews. I know it was quite a torturous decision for you at the time because you didn't have any money, but you did end up using freelancers. Kind of content creation, photos, social media, blogging, that would be one thing that a lot of people would think, ah, I can just do that myself. I need help with the accounts and other things like that. Did you not just think you could have a crack at it yourself? So, so in the beginning, I did do a lot of it myself. And that was the first two years of bootstrapping. But one thing from working at an agency for as long as I did, I was there for four or five years, agencies equal overhead. They're charging an hourly rate and the bigger they are, the more their fee because they have to pay for their building and their internet and all their, their health insurance for their team and whatever else. So I honestly, my entire team, my art director, my copywriter, 
my everybody that works for me as a freelancer is someone that I have a personal relationship with that I've known for more than a decade and they get paid at a freelancer rate. It saves me money because I'm not hiring an agency, but there's also just a trust and a rapport there. And I, I do understand that a lot of people can't build that because they don't have the connections going into their business. And I just happened to work in, in advertising before I did this. So I have a lot of really great relationships with people that are very, very talented and just don't want to work at an agency anymore. They want more flexibility and freedom. So it works out great for them and great for me. But I highly recommend that entrepreneurs go and find, seek out freelancers, not because they're less expensive, but because you get more bang for your buck. And if you can build that personal relationship, your money is going to go a lot further because you can pay for more hours of that person's time as opposed to going to an agency where it's a very limited scope and anything that you change about it or anything extra, they're going to send you a huge bill in the mail that you may not be able to afford or ready to invest in yet. So to me, a lot of people are anti-freelancer, but I'm very pro-freelancer. I just think it has to be the right relationship and you have to invest the time to find the right person. Conventional wisdom when it comes to starting an e-commerce business in particular is start a block. Does that still hold true? I think it depends on your category. I think that content is king. You have to have a way to get content out there. So if blogging, quote unquote, is if, if it's a vlog, video, like if, if you're doing, you know, a YouTube channel or a blog or a, a highly curated shoppable social media, whether it's Instagram or you're, you know, trying to be a TikTok influencer, you have to have an avenue. I don't think it necessarily has to be a blog, but you have to have content and a clear point of view and you have to have a way to get it out there. So maybe as an umbrella, you can call that blogging, but I think you have to pick at least one path and be very, very good at it. The people that are the most successful have highly curated visions. They're not trying to be everything to everyone. So they don't have like a very sparsely populated account on 20 platforms, they might pick three and do very well at those three. It's better to have three that are awesome than 20 that are mediocre, in my opinion. There we are. In season one and two, cash was king, but in season three of making it work, content is king. (laughs) I think content is very important. Cash flow is important too, though. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Making It Work, coming up. We had a couple different TikToks go viral, and we can actually say we've been in front of more people on TikTok than we have even from our Shark Tank area. Here's a trick. Right now, I don't have a lot of time to write the blog, so I'm repurposing the emails we send to our customers as blog content. It's not super sexy, but it works for SEO. It's working for the blog. Okay, if you wanted to know whether SEO was worth your time, you can stop listening now. It is. But it's not the only way of increasing engagement with your brand. Let's have a chat with Jacqueline Rogers, founder and CEO of Greentop Gifts, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. When she's not batting off cold calls from marketing agencies, she's promoting her business on social media, podcasts, and through her blog. But as a busy mompreneur of two, she doesn't have as much time as she'd like to spend on her marketing efforts. Her solution? Recycling and rewriting content. I think this one's a really good tip. So when we first started the business, I created the website on the back end of Shopify and there was not a lot of thought behind SEO. I knew what it was, but I didn't quite know how to do it effectively. So I kind of created a a theme in Shopify and made our site. And at that time, I was taking the photos, designing the product, shipping the product and uploading it 
onto the website and doing our social media and editing the photos. So I was a one-stop shop. Since then, we have now hired people who help us with our SEO and who are creating our ads and coming up with the content for social media. I would say I have a lot of ideas and I give them to the graphic designers and say, I want this, this, and this, and you know, this is our calendar, how we want it to lay out. And then working to make sure that our graphic designers understand like our brand and our voice. And so making sure that it, it, it's our brand style and the guide and it all makes sense. But in the beginning, I had no idea. I would say, you know, we've gotten partnerships with Google and they've helped us a lot with growing our analytics and making sure that we're using it properly in ways to get customers and drive traffic to our site. And that is a whole job within itself. And I know a whole lot more now than I did six years ago, for sure. But it's for me, I say the biggest challenge or the thing that I like to do is personally understand it. So when I'm hiring someone, I can ask questions and really know, are they telling me that they can do this and they know what they're doing? Or are they just throwing off some words and jargon to me and they have no idea what they're doing? So for me, it's super important to understand how it works so I can ask questions and I can go on the back end and look and kind of double check. But that that's me. It feels like there are a lot of agencies and so-called expert these days, people that say they can transform your SEO. Are you contacted by a lot of those people? Daily. I'd be a millionaire if I had a dollar for every email I get in my inbox from someone who wants to help my SEO grow or who wants to help with our funding or who wants to help our email strategy. They're relentless. And now I've got to the point where I'm afraid to hit unsubscribe and fear that it's like some type of spam or bot. So I'm just like deleting them or replying unsubscribe because I'm afraid to click on the hyperlinks in their emails. But there's so many people and some of them, some people are probably authentic and really know what they're doing. But a lot of people I feel like are just scamming entrepreneurs because of people's limited time or knowledge on a lot of different topics. And it drives me crazy. What are you doing in terms of organic content at the moment? And also, crucially, do you have any idea whether it's pushing traffic to your site? You know, it's interesting. When I first started the business, I was working full-time at a large CPG, consumer packaged goods company, and I was afraid to be the voice and talk about my business because I was afraid that HR would see it and question my ability to do my job and do green top at the same time. And so I would say over the past year and a half, I've gotten more comfortable with speaking or being the face of the business more so, or doing more podcast interviews where I'm talking about the business. And so I feel like there is a lot of engagement and content around me sharing my entrepreneurial journey and where we are, big or small, you know? I think it's relatable and people like to see it and people message me in weird ways and say, I love what you're doing. You know, this is really inspiring. And I'm like, I'm at a trade show, but okay. And so I think it connects with a lot of moms who want to do entrepreneurship to see me personally doing motherhood, being a wife and entrepreneur and juggling it some days better than most, (laughs) some days better than others, I should say. So I think that that's probably a really relatable part of our content and I'm still not quite comfortable with it because some days it just, it feels weird, right? But it seems to really be engaging to our followers and they connect with it. So, yeah. I've noticed you've got a blog on your website. How do you come up with ideas for it? And is it you who writes it? 
here's a trick. Right now, I don't have a lot of time to write the blog. So I'm repurposing the emails we send to our customers as blog content. It's not super sexy, but it works for SEO. It's working for the blog. Because some people don't subscribe to our newsletter. So some people are seeing it and it's new to the first time. And then there is some content that we like. For example, for Kwanzaa, we did a short email explaining what Kwanzaa was. And then on the blog, we did a really detailed about how to celebrate it with your family. And we got a lot of emails from moms who were like, I have never celebrated. I want to. This was a really great way. Thank you for sharing and explaining the days and how it works. So yeah, we're still kind of figuring it out. I know that blogging is super important for our site and I'm not really sure how many people are reading it. I probably should go kind of check through that, but we're putting something on there. It may not be super sexy, but reusing the content from emails for blog posts, I think that's super smart. It means that you're reaching more people. For sure. And, you know, writing those emails and coming up with that content is a full-time job, right? So I'm like, I don't want it to go to waste. I'll repurpose it here on the blog. It's working for us. Somebody might listen to this and cringe and say I'm doing it all wrong, but that's what we're doing at the moment. What would you say are the basics when it comes to creating organic content in order to drive traffic to your store? Yeah, I would just say be really authentic about your brand. And I think people get caught up in the numbers and the followers and aren't really thinking about the bots. And I think if you just do good content, there are people that are seeing it and those relationship and partnerships will come. And it's not always about a bazillion followers or bazillion likes is quality content. And we spent a ton of money on some quality content for Christmas and the engagement wasn't super high, but I recently had a brand reach out to me and was like, your content for Christmas was amazing. Who did it? And I was like, oh, okay, I guess people are seeing it. So just be mindful that if it's true to your brand and it's authentic, it will continue to make sense. So don't get caught up in the numbers. It feels a little bit like throw as much as you can at the wall and see what sticks. Yes. I was talking to another entrepreneur the other day and he said that to me. He was just like, with it, we always question and doubt it. And then if it doesn't work, we like, oh oh no, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have spent that. And he was just like, just, just throw everything at the wall, see what sticks and then just keep going. And if it doesn't work, don't dwell on it, continue to go. So that's kind of my strategy is not to overthink what we've done. Um, If it worked, continue. And if it didn't, you just can't dwell in it. You got to move forward. A pretty common theme emerging from all of our entrepreneurs here. The best way to find out what works is to try something, measure it, and walk away with either a high-ranking blog post or a tough lesson in what your target audience don't want to read. Last but not least in our kings and queens of content is Logan Lamance, co-founder and CEO of Kanga Coolers. His brand messaging is all about having fun. Not surprising for a company that specializes in keeping your beer cold. But this South Carolina-based entrepreneur has gone one step further and now counts TikTok as one of his most effective marketing tools. Let's get the lowdown before he starts dancing. We want to be top of mind in as many ways as we can be. And one of the challenges we face is trying to be everything to everyone and do everything decently well. So one thing we've tried to do is do everything that we are pursuing at a very high level. Uh, One of those things we, we push forward were blogs. We know the importance of that from an SEO standpoint to be visible, to write about things that your customers are going to be searching for that are going to kind of help you get certain page ranks and and, and do a better job from an organic standpoint. So we prioritize blogs. We actually just have a really good creative team that can write blogs. One of our events managers can write blogs. We have the guy that runs our email. He can write and they actually enjoy it. So it's really good to fuel that side 
of the business, but we definitely want to make sure that we're providing content in as many places and as many ways as possible. One platform we've really utilized heavily is TikTok for creating that organic virility that you know you can't really create as easily or as effectively in a lot of other platforms. And so we've, we've seen that TikTok has gotten us in front of many, many more eyeballs than even our Shark Tank airing did that happened three years ago. And so just trying to leverage these platforms, providing content, figuring out what we're uniquely good at and well positioned to do. We're a bunch of young, fresh out of college people just trying to build a business. And, and that, that seems to have a pretty good appeal. And uh, it's just really important for us, again, to provide content in as many ways as we can, um, long form, short form, and just try to be as, as present in as many places as possible. How well are you able to measure what this content is doing for you? Uh, certain pieces are really helpful with, with the metrics. So, for example, TikTok, you can pretty much tell how many, how many views you're getting. You can tell what kind of likes you're getting, what kind of engagement you're getting for social media. It's, it's very straightforward. For the blog side, it's really tough to tell what's resulting in conversions. We're trying to figure out some new systems that we can use to get better insights and data. But with the blogs, there's a bit of a gap there for figuring out how we're, we're tracking and quantifying success from some of our more long form stuff. For example, on YouTube, we put, we had a series called the fun factory that went out for a while. We've done some featured documentaries and different types of things that have been really helpful for us for building brand image. But some of those investments, for example, the long form side, it's not as short term uh, quantifiable and, and direct ROI oriented. We always want to have those things that we do from, for example, Facebook advertising or, or any, any paid advertising that are going to have that short-term tangible ROI. But we also know we need to soften our audience at scale and generate some brand awareness across the board. And so we do pursue things like YouTube and, and doing more general awareness campaigns as opposed to just conversion. The reason I was asking is because I think pretty much any guide on how to boost an online business's sales tells you to write a blog. So I guess my real question is, does it work? It depends. We haven't seen a lot of success from a tangible conversion standpoint with our blog content. What we have seen a lot of success with is it's deepening a brand loyalty with those that do engage with our blog. So it may not be, for example, if we a Facebook ad gets in front of 2 million, 3 million people, our blog probably gets in front of maybe four, 500, 600 each. Now that's something we can invest in and grow in the future, but it definitely is not as on a big, massive scale. It's not as widespread and it's not as easy to, again, quantify and track. But we, we definitely want to make sure we're investing in that and, and trying to deepen that loyalty with the customer base that is following us very closely. Um, I remember from one of my entrepreneurship classes, they, they said that it was a lot better to build a product and an audience that love you, what you're doing as opposed to a massive group of people that just kind of like what you're doing. So deepening that brand loyalty, taking those things that, you know, maybe not as scalable, maybe not as impactful from a, a big picture you know, revenue standpoint, bottom line standpoint, just really making sure you're diving deep with your customers and you're creating that relationship. I've seen loads of small business blogs that are informative, but I can safely say you're one of the few blogs that I've read that is actually kind of funny and entertaining. So how did that tone of voice um, and sort of playfulness come about? Yeah, so the playful tone comes about just from where we're trying to head as a company. We look at the massive cooler space that we're kind of competing in, and we see a lot of different companies taking a more serious approach, uh, more hardcore, premium, 
it's got to be extremely overdone in every single way, which that's great. There's a place for that in the market. There's also the more value oriented brands that are just there to, you know, be, have great distribution. The products are affordable. You're going to get almost all you'd get with the other ones. Just make a couple compromises and they're not making a much investment in brand. What we see our opportunity as is to be one of the fun brands in the cooler space. And, how could we do that if we weren't adopting a more playful tone, a more lighthearted uh, kind of kind of messaging with everything that we're doing? I mean, let's be real. We make coolers for cases of beer. Now, we don't just make that, but that's what we started as. And that's our identity. I mean, we are a product designed for fun. And it would be crazy if our brand messaging didn't also resonate with fun. Tell me about the role TikTok plays, because I'm of an age where I'm absolutely terrified of TikTok. So um, what does your TikTok look like and what kind of stuff do you get up to on it? Yeah, TikTok's a very interesting, I guess you could call it a case study. We started out when TikTok was brand new. We had the, the mentality that we want, again, we want to be everywhere that we can be and capitalize on things that other companies may not be capitalizing on. Well, Originally, I mean, TikTok was kind of laughed at, right? Because if you'd asked anybody three years ago if there was going to be a, a social media app that was going to be growing faster than Instagram or take over a lot of the market share they're, they're enjoying right now, or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you'd have thought it was crazy because it almost seemed like it was it was kind of a lock. You, you couldn't really compete with those other social media giants. Well, TikTok came out of nowhere during the pandemic and just kind of took a lot of took a lot of traction and got a lot of steam. So basically, the user base was a lot larger on TikTok than the content providers were providing. So you had a lot more of an opportunity to get in front of a lot of people and less competition for that space. As you are, are probably aware, for sure, with Facebook ads, I mean, the more people that are bidding on those, on those customers, the higher that cost goes up, the harder it is to get in front of them. Well, TikTok is similar from an organic standpoint, where when we hopped on the platform early, we didn't have a strategy. We literally just said... Everybody in the company can make TikToks. Everyone can post TikToks. It's almost a free-for-all. And we had a couple different TikToks go viral. And we can actually say we've been in front of more people on TikTok from an impression standpoint than we have even from our Shark Tank airing, which it, it seems so insane that the, the, the platform can do that. As an entrepreneur who has his fingers in a lot of pies content-wise, what would be your advice to a small business who's trying to boost their online presence? Where should you start? I would say keep the main thing, the main thing, figure out your primary infrastructure first. Here's a good example. TikTok, you can have a phenomenal day if one goes viral, but it will pale in comparison to the sustained success of a properly functioning e-commerce system. So for example, in the holiday season, we had a TikTok that went absolutely viral and it was amazing. But let's say for just for sake of discussion, let's say it did you know $10,000 in one day. Well, if we did $100,000 over the entire period from just residual e-commerce flows, residual um, Facebook advertising, our funnels, everything churning and burning and working properly, you know that 10,000 is a great boost, but instead of chasing that next 10,000, again, focus on the big picture. I think it's very important to focus your resources when you're a small business on the main thing and the most important thing. And then again, be everywhere you can be and let that be the cherry on top. Okay, great. 
And now for the serious questions, Logan. Is it you who does the silly dances on TikTok or someone else? <laughs> I get ripped in sometimes, sometimes. Less now than I used to. So that I think our, our TikTok audience will appreciate that. <laughs> Coming up next time. Have I learned anything interesting about our customers that I didn't know before? Boy, oh boy. We look at every piece of feedback, as crazy as that is to say, and really talk through what are the pros and cons of every single thing. You can't please everyone. Do we get messages and and emails from people that may not like our mission or what we're doing? We do, but if you don't have haters, you're not doing it right. So I guess we're doing it right. (laughs) That's it for this episode of Making It Work. If you like what we're doing here on this podcast, please take a moment to rate, comment, and subscribe. It helps us to reach even more people. And you can reach me, Tom, and the team at makingitwork at fedex.com. You can now catch up on episodes in article form by reading show notes on fedex.com slash makingitwork. So be sure to check it out. Thanks to our entrepreneurs, Logan Lamance, Krista Cotton, Graham Vizi and Fisk Bigger, and Jacqueline Rogers. Making It Work is produced by Yolene Marguerite written by Tom Scallon and edited by Lars Blockenberg with creative direction from Jeroen von Koningshoven. Music by Fresh Big Mouth, who created the song with actual sounds from the FedEx Superhub. This show is delivered to you by FedEx and presented by Tom Scallon and me, Kelly Martin.